0: Sunday, the Bengals T. Higgins showed Chase Claypool what kind of player he's supposed to be. On Monday, Chase Claypool advocated for the Steelers to start playing music at their practices so that they can be more fun. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into Hockey and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. Mike Tomlin will have his press conference today at noon. There is a 0.00% chance that he won't get asked about Claypool stating out in the open with a straight face, to the media yesterday that he'd like to have music played at practices. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, this is something I've said since I was in college because we never had it, but uh, I think, like, maybe some music would help. But uh, we have music in the in the warm-ups, and that's always fun. People are dancing and having fun. So I think maybe music would make practice a little more fun and a little more up-tempo. Um, that's my one suggestion, but Coach T's been doing this a lot longer than I have, so. Obligatory disclaimer, if you're new to my Daily Shot podcasts, I'm not – the hot take guy, and I'm not the get-off-my-lawn guy, actually try really, really hard to avoid either road, even though it is where people tend to gravitate. It's where most audiences will go. They'll they'll find a way to get their hot takery and their get-off-my-lawnery. I understand and appreciate, actually respect, that times change, interests change. With my own kids, who are just a little bit younger than Claypool, I've let them be what they want to be, within reason. You know, you offer guidance, you offer support, but you accept that not everything is the way it was when you were young. We used to go outside and play. They look at their phones. They build things virtually that we used to build with our hands. Are they wrong? Are we wrong? I don't know. I'm not nearly uh, schooled up enough on a subject like that to be able to determine it, but I do know that my children seem to appreciate that approach. I also know that there are some things that don't change or shouldn't change. In the case of organized football, can't change. You can't win in football without a significant component of toughness. Now, here again, different ways to define toughness. It can be persistence through injury. It can be uh, mentally bracing yourself for a certain challenge. It doesn't always mean just clubbing the guy across from you. But a lot of the game is that. Still, that hasn't changed. And when you... See, hear, and read former Steelers coming out and stating in very visible forums, whether it's social media, television, or radio, over the last 48 hours, they're disgust with what they've seen of this group. To me, it's lazy irresponsible and disrespectful to just dismiss them as just, you know, old, old people. They don't get it. They don't get us. Here's what they do get. They've won. They've won in the sport of football. They had at different points of their own careers individually and collectively. And I'm talking about Rocky Blyer who spoke up about this, Ryan Clark, who spoke up about this, Mike Mitchell, who spoke up about this, Chris Hoke, who spoke up about this. I'm sure I'm missing a few. They've seen what it takes. They've experienced what it takes. And I'm going to repeat this for emphasis. The game itself hasn't changed that much. Want proof? Who's the toughest wide receiver you ever saw in a Pittsburgh uniform? Yeah, it's easy, right? Heinz Ward. Didn't play all that long ago, did he? Who's another of the toughest Pittsburgh wide receivers you've ever seen? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Happens to be hurt right now, but he's on this team. Juju Smith-Schuster. This isn't some antiquated thing. Even catching the football, which, as Lynn Swan and others have shown us over the years, can be the most graceful act in a football game, requires an immense component of toughness. This guy, Claypool, has none of that, not one shred of it. And he will not be a part of any significant winning that happens with this franchise. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online... Maybe a flexible hybrid format works for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. And yes, I can hear the groans and the moans and the snickers from anybody who's listening to this who's under 30. I know how this rolls. Everything just gets tossed into the same bin. Ah, they don't understand. They don't understand. I'm not going to pretend or even attempt to understand whatever modern music is, modern culture is, I have my own tastes, you have yours. But I'm not going to pretend at the same time that I don't understand football and that I haven't seen with my own eyes what makes a winner and what makes a loser. The other day at Paul Brown Stadium, and we saw Higgins from the Bengals going up for that touchdown against James Pierre and coming down with the ball. Nice throw by Joe Burrow, but really it was a touchdown catch. It was a catch first and foremost. Burrow put it into Higgins' vicinity, challenged Higgins to get it. Higgins went up and got it. And while Claypool had... A couple of decent plays, one deep catch in the game. He also had chances that were similar to these and would either fall down like on his own or drop a ball that was thrown to him between the one and the one in front of his jersey, presumably because he heard Cincinnati footsteps in the vicinity. This is... This isn't a player with really much individual pride and close to zero team pride to leave that stadium as a 41-10 to 10 loser. When You're aware, you're at least aware of the Steelers' history in that place. And the two games that you've played there now are both L's, and you're one of the players that's selected by the team, two players, Minka Fitzpatrick was the other, to speak with the media the day after that. There has to be some awareness, man. There has to be some sense of, you know... This is a pretty tough time for our team, but I need to step up. You don't have to say, "Hey, I need to play like Higgins did. You don't have to embarrass yourself or whatever, but show some awareness. Show some common freaking sense. I don't compare Claypool to Juju, and I never have, and I never will. Juju has his own things, of course. Juju's a a titan when it comes to social media. He's still the boss, even now that he's out. But you'll remember, as I do, Juju in Cincinnati versus Vontez Burfecht. That's how you perform in AFC North Road football. I don't care if it was clean or not. Nothing that Burfecht does is clean. He had that coming. Juju's tough. Juju is football aware. Juju is devastated when the Steelers lose. Juju, after a performance like the one Sunday, either for the player or for the team, would have shown up. The next day, aware, hey, the team asked me to be one of the two people to talk. Yesterday, meaning the day before on Sunday, the team had asked the team captains to talk. Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt. He was being tasked with something that was at least a little bit significant. It's the voice of the team, he and Minka, yesterday. And someone asked him a question just about practice. Because Mike Tomlin's brought it up. Several players over the last couple of weeks have now brought it up. And that's where he took it. And he meant it. He wanted there to be music. When we come back, just one question. just one question and today's comes from Bill Trent who asks why is it that i never see mike Tomlin or his merry band of assistant clowns ever really talking to the players on the sideline maybe matt canada should get his butt down on the field too so that he can hear the boo birds right on top of him as for keith butler i'm not sure he even knows the day of the week this my friends is what's been flooding into this direction over the last 48 hours. And nobody appreciates, even admires, more than I do, the passion that Pittsburgh football fans have for their team. I am not at all a fan of name-calling and so forth. So I'm certainly not going to endorse the whole clowns thing or whatever. It it takes a a lot of work, and it's a hell of an accomplishment to get to the National Football League, never mind ascending to one of 32 coordinator spots available on planet Earth at the top level. Also, I want to point out here that what you see on TV is, by its very nature, extremely limited compared to what you see in a stadium. There's a reason that our company, DK Pittsburgh Sports, has a six-figure budget annually to make sure that we're at every game, that we're in every stadium, that we're at every practice, at every press conference, regardless of where those happen to be conducted because we do see things. We do hear things that don't make it to you otherwise. Keith Butler, in reality, gathered all of the defensive players around him at one point in the second half and reamed them out from here to next Sunday. This was not a secret. This was not difficult for us to pick up on. And in fact, it was so visible that TJ Watt was asked a question about it afterward. So this was, you know, not some big secret thing. Why didn't TV get it? I don't know. That's not my problem. I don't work for the TV companies. I get a lot of complaints, especially during the games, about. NBC's doing this, or CBS is doing that, or this color commentator's driving me nuts, or these guys love the Cowboys, or love the Seahawks, or whatever. We have nothing to do with them. We have no control over what they show you. We have no control over anything about them. And in fact, we don't even see it. There's no audio, uh, and it's scant video available in the press box. You're working in a press box the old-fashioned way. You're watching the game. If there are pivotal replays uh, that we really, really need to see, there is a way to do it, but it's not something that's any kind of focal point. It's very much an afterthought. So Butler did actually ream these guys out. Now, Matt Canada is not at field level. That's something that was planned going into the season. It was something that was accepted and openly so by everybody involved, meaning, of course, Mike Tomlin, Mike Sullivan, the quarterback's coach, and, of course, Ben Roethlisberger himself. The way it works, Canada is communicating with Sullivan. Sullivan is sitting right there with his full attention on the quarterback relaying any necessary information from the coordinator to the quarterback. You can hate their results. You can wish that they'd be gone. I happen to agree with that. I think the Steelers can do much better at both coordinator positions than the two guys they've got, but I'm, always going to strive to deal with facts and fairness as much as possible i appreciate the question bill i appreciate everybody listening to daily shot of Steelers, and we're going to do another one tomorrow you know what we should do we should just play music through the whole thing you know just in case chase Claypool was listening